The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, is sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, a leading Australian corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Focused on your vision, Barclay Pierce specialises in making it a successful reality. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stock Insiders with me, Oriel Morrison. Now, the month of May has been a wild ride for crypto investors. And in fact, if you're anything like me, it did take me a little bit by surprise. If you look at the price of Bitcoin, uh, it dropped to lows not seen since the late 2020s. A major stable coin, of course, collapsed over that time, and there was a lot of panic in the market as well. Not all bad news, though. We've had a couple of experts out there, one in particular saying that the price, the Bitcoin price, will go into the millions. So there's still a lot of upside ahead. Joining me now is Ting Wang, the co-founder and the CEO of Coinstash, who knows a lot about this particular market. Ting, welcome. Great to have you back with us. Thanks for having me. It's been a huge ride for crypto investors over the past month or so. Are you? Do you remain optimistic when it comes to cryptocurrencies? Yeah, I think so, Oriel. I think in the long term, uh, my view is still very optimistic when it comes to cryptocurrency. And I think there's a few, there's a few reasons behind it. I think firstly, I do believe in the fundamentals of cryptocurrency. I see there's a lot of uh, institutional and mainstream adoption when it comes to crypto. And uh, I think especially in the recent years, we're starting to see a lot of, uh, I guess, use cases for crypto. So I think despite of the recent uh, price volatilities that we're seeing, especially in the month of May, I think the overall, I guess, the fundamentals of cryptocurrency still remain uh, quite solid in my eyes. When you look at the the falls that we've seen, I mean, you know, there are some investors out there and experts out there talking about this is this being the start of an extended downtrend, if you like. What's your view in terms of why we've seen this kind of volatility and why we've seen this this kind of selling pressure? Yeah, I think that's a very good question, Oriel. I think, firstly, I just want to make the point that uh, a lot of this market volatility is not just unique to cryptocurrency. So as we are all, all aware that obviously there's the current, I guess, regional uncertainty between uh, Russia and Ukraine. There's obviously the um, the ongoing uh, COVID that's still happening um, and it's getting worse in, in some countries. And obviously, there's the increased talks about the Fed Reserve in the US uh, increasing interest rates due to high inflation. So I think a lot of these factors are leading to the broader global financial markets to experience, I guess, some uh, turbulent times has not seen uh, until like uh, for the past 12 months. And I think it just had a ripple effect on cryptocurrency. Secondly, I think cryptocurrencies had its own unique challenges over the past month, especially. So we've seen, I think, already touched on a major stablecoin collapsing, which is the, the UST. Uh, and then we all know that um, I think if you are interested in cryptocurrency, you're probably aware that uh, the Luna the Luna protocol has um, uh, effectively collapsed uh, during the month of May. So yeah, cryptocurrency did, has, did have its unique challenges due to a few what I call almost black swan events, but uh, it's also broadly affected by the broader financial markets. So let's talk a little bit about Coinstash then, because obviously, you know, when we're talking about volatility in the crypto markets, this is actually not a bad thing when it comes to your business. Yeah, exactly, Oriel. So I guess the way you, we see Coinstash is we are a picks and shovels business. So it doesn't really matter where the Bitcoin price is at. Uh, Coinstash, as a business, we our business model is around 
trading volume uh, currently. So what happens is we make a um, a percentage uh, in the form of a trade fee or volume going through the platform. And just on that point, volatility sometimes actually helps Coinstash in terms of our trading volume. So in the month of May, uh, it's actually one of our best months so far ever since the platform has been launched, despite of all the uncertainty and all the I guess, downward pressure on uh, the cryptocurrency market. So that's one thing. I think the second thing is with Coinstash, we also recently launched a what we call a loyalty system, which enables us to give our customers a rate of return on the cryptocurrencies as well. So what that means is we're diversifying our revenue stream from just transactional revenue uh, into also recurring revenue based on assets on the, assets on the platform. So yeah, it hasn't been so bad for Coinstash in the month of May, I must admit. So talk to us about your crowdfunding campaign, uh, Tim. Yeah, so um, uh, we are very excited to announce that uh, Coinstash, I think effectively from tomorrow, uh, we will have a equity crowdfunding campaign going live um, once again with Virtual. So for those of you who are following us, you may be aware that last year in April 2021, we had our first equity crowdfunding campaign. The purpose of the campaign back then was to enable us to bring some new products to the market. So those are coins that earn, borrow, and spend. So what has happened between then and now? So in the past 13 months, we have uh, basically fulfilled our promises. We launched coins that earn on time to the market in April this year. We have grown the uh, customer database from um, 3,000 users to 20,000 users, so which is uh, quite an achievement in itself. In addition to that, we also acquired a wholly owned subsidiary that is a financial services licensee company, which adds to our regulatory roadmap. Uh, in addition to that, we also uh, did a complete revamp of our current platform as well as releasing a mobile app. So a lot has happened since April last year, but this time around, we are giving our investors an opportunity to invest in Coinstash again uh, and the reasons for this uh, equity crowdfunding campaign is to really capture additional market share to really get that traction and bring bring our products and brand in front of uh, more Australians. Well, what sort of re- response? I mean, obviously, you were saying as of the 3rd of June in terms of investors who are, who are looking at at the crowdfunding campaign. What, what sort of, you know, sort of response are you having when you're talking to people about it? Surprisingly, I mean, despite of the current market volatility, we've actually had a lot of positive responses, uh, not just from existing investors, uh, but also from uh, new investors who um, uh, hasn't invested in, our, in the previous round with us. So I think this just shows that the market is fairly, it's becoming more and more mature. I mean, people are not just driven entirely by sentiment, but these days what I find, the investors I speak with, I, I, I've been calling a few investors personally, and they they all understand that, that the cryptocurrency business is here to stay. Um, and they understand that investing in Coinstash is uh, different to investing in a token, for example, like a Bitcoin or Ethereum. So you're actually investing in a business. You are investing in basically part of our revenue, in our business model. In addition to all this, I think what uh, we also received more than 1,000 expression of the interest, so which is a, a significant number in itself. So uh, I think we just crossed the 1,000 mark as of yesterday and then today we're looking at very close to 1100 so yeah those are just some numbers we've like i think in summary we got some overwhelming response in terms of of a new offering it just shows i think our investors are still quite um quite bullish with us what do you expect to uh, bring about with your crowdfunding campaign Uh, what sort of dollars do you expect to raise yeah, so Oreo, our maximum target this time around is uh, $2 million. Um, so that's what we 
uh, aim to raise, and I'm um, I'm re- I'm very confident that we'll hit that number based on the responses that we've been receiving. I mean, it, the the reason that we're raising, I guess we've set this set the bar two million dollars is we think that's going to be enough to take points actually to the next level in terms of capturing some additional market share. So so yeah, that's a, that's a that's the target we're aiming at. So you you talked about your new rewards program a little bit earlier on called Coinstash Earn. For those who are new to Coinstash, can you take us through what that is and and talk to us about your next two which is Coinstash Borrow and Coinstash Spend. Yes, definitely. So Coinstash Earn, uh, the way I see it is a is a loyalty and rewards program. In a nutshell, if I take a step back, so right now a lot of exchanges are offering trading capabilities. So people go to other exchanges to basically buy and sell cryptocurrency, which has an element of speculation in it. So in Coinstash, our vision is actually to, to be the gateway for people to actually unlock the financial benefits of cryptocurrency, which is not entirely related to just speculation on the prices of a coin or a token. So with Coinstash Earn, what we allow our customers to do is by holding, by simply holding crypto on our platform, they can realize a rate of return on their cryptocurrencies. So just as, as an example, if I hold one Bitcoin, one BTC on Coinstash, uh, over the course of one year, I'll receive enough reward points to end up with 1.03 BTC, which represents a 3% annual return on my on my holdings. So uh, we launched this in April uh, this year, and then we've received um, uh, some um, uh, positive uptake on that already. Um, so that's Coinstash Earn. So I think Oreo, you also asked about Coinstash Borrow and Coinstash Spend. So these are the two products we are looking to release between this year and also next year. So with Coinstash Borrow, what we aim to do is we want to allow people to be able to use their cryptocurrencies as a form of collateral to be able to borrow uh, some liquidity out of it. It might be a stable coin or it might be just Australian dollars. So I think the benefit of that is people no longer need to sell their cryptocurrency if they want to buy a nice car or if they want to have a holiday to pay for. They can simply collateralize the cryptocurrencies, borrow the liquidity based on that cryptocurrency as a security uh, to be able to do whatever they want to do. So that's a solution we're seeing that's available, I guess, at a global level uh, in, the, in the United States, in Asia. But uh, we want to bring an Australian solution uh, for Australians. So that's Coin/Borrow. With Coinstash Spend, so that's something we're looking at uh, in 2023. So what we are having in mind is launching a Coinstash credit card, which allows people to basically um, spend their crypto anywhere in the world uh, by having a crypto by by having their credit limit determined by their crypto holdings with Coinstash. So that's uh, that's basically the three products we're looking at uh, right now. Mm, and that's a 2023 launch your, your credit card correct yes so right now um correct me if i'm wrong on the number but you've got more than 340 coins you've got tokens on and, and tokens rather on offer in the platforms and you've got those bundles too that we spoke about last time has there been, been any sort of movement on that have you done any any sort of increase in terms of the, the way that you're doing bundles or the type of bundles that you're doing yeah that's a very good question so at coinstash we're always looking to i guess be the only one platform that our customers go to, no matter what they, what they want to buy. Um, but we also do have a, uh, a vet, vetting process internally to determine which coins we want to list on the platform because we also want to, I guess, protect our uh, customers from investing in, in projects that, that are not very reputable. So uh, because of that, we, we're, we're always looking at adding more coins onto the platform. So I think just for your context, if we look at 
this time last year we probably had we probably had less than 100 coins and now now we have 340 so that's already i guess a significant uplift in terms of the the number of available assets on the platform um, but in the future yes we do have plans to increase that number uh, right now we i think we can comfortably add another 100 to the platform so that's on the number of uh, assets in terms of the bundles we're looking at i think right now we have a, a few bundles around I guess metaverse. There's a bundle around investment tokens. There's a bundle around remittance tokens. So what we what we want to do is we probably don't want to increase the number of bundles so much, but we probably will be looking at updating uh, these bundles to make them more dynamic. So for example, there may be additional metaverse tokens that's coming onto the platform, which will then uh, have a look at and then add to the metaverse bundle. So uh, yes, that's something we are, are currently looking at. Now, you're currently in talks as well. You've got a lot going on at the moment, Ting. You're currently in talks as well with ASIC about launching a DeFi product next year. Um, talk to us about decentralized finance. And for, certainly for the for the lay people out there, can you explain to us in the simplest terms possible um, what it is and what Coinstash will be doing in decentralized finance? Yeah, so DeFi is, has been a very hot topic uh, since, I think, 2019, 2020. Um, so basically what it is, so if you look at the term DeFi, so basically it obviously stands for decentralized finance. So if you compare DeFi versus your traditional financial services system, the traditional financial services system, system is very much based around financial intermediaries. Uh, so those are like banks, uh, financial services company, uh, stockbroking firms, wealth management firms, Etc. Etc. So if I want to do anything, for example, if I want to if I want to, if I want to be borrowing money or if I want to be lending money, everything goes through these centralized institutions. With DeFi, what it, what it, the problem that DeFi is trying to solve is in, instead of having customers and end users to go to a centralized institution, it enables people to be able to conduct transactions on the blockchain in a peer-to-peer manner. So that's why it's called decentralized. It's decentralized by in nature because there's no central authority that, that's uh, dictating uh, all these transactions. Um, I guess DeFi has its own benefits, but also ha- also has its own risks, right? So if I just speak briefly on the benefits, obviously, A, it saves uh, a lot of transaction fees. So as we all know, central banks and financial intermediaries sometimes they can be very expensive in terms of uh, fees and then if you have multiple uh, i guess uh, central institutions in place then this there might be fees charged on top of fees so that can be become quite quite expensive very quickly with DeFi, uh, we get rid of those layers so because everything's peer-to-peer so that's the first benefit of DeFi. i think the second benefit of DeFi is you're not really trusting someone or a organization, what you're doing is you're placing your faith uh, in a protocol, in the smart contract itself. So uh, it's basically essentially a trustless system where people trust, uh, I guess, code rather than an organization. So that's the that's the second benefit of it. I mean, there, there will be other benefits that I can think of when it comes to DeFi, but uh, I think those probably the other two main points. I mean, when it comes to, I guess, some of the, maybe disadvantages or uh, things to look out for when it comes to DeFi is we all know DeFi is pretty much based on smart contracts. And sometimes smart contracts, they carry their own risks. Uh, for example, I think there's, um, I think it was the Badger DAO that got hacked, I think a few months ago uh, into the magnitude of a few uh, uh, tens of millions of dollars. And that's because of a potential uh, breach in their, in, their, in their smart contract. So things like that do happen in the DeFi space, 
And um, I think what people actually need is a very is is somewhat of a either an auditor or a gatekeeper when it comes to choosing which DeFi protocol that we uh, that they should use. So when it comes to CoinStack, so right now we're actually not actively participating in DeFi, but what we are doing at CoinStash, so when I talk about CoinStash Earn, it's very similar to what, so when you, when you talk about the customer experience, it's very similar to what people are seeing in DeFi, which is you're lending cryptocurrency basically to CoinStash and then they can, you can generate a rate of return on your crypto without having to pay a lot of fees to financial intermediaries. Um, in addition to that, I think in the future, CoinStash may potentially look at selecting to what to look at work with some selected DeFi protocols to bring additional benefits to its users, but that's something that we need to have a think about in terms of whether uh, it provides the most benefit to our users. You talked about risks that you need to watch out for. If you're in talks with ASIC about launching some kind of a product next year, what should investors know about that? Yeah, so I think uh, for Australian investors, I think to me it's very important that they place their faith in the regulated and local platform. So we all know that um, I think a lot of uh, a lot of us who are into cryptocurrency for a number of years, uh, we all know there are a lot of solutions out there. But I think what Australians are really looking for is someone who's actually here, uh, based based locally in Australia, and is most most importantly regulated by the local landscape. So I think uh, if I'm if I'm an investor, I will probably be looking at a uh, if if I'm investing in a project, I'll probably be looking at uh, the, the 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 team around that project, uh, whether it's uh, it's got the right authorization. So, for example, with Coinstash, we've been registered with Austrac since 2018, and we have a uh, a wholly owned subsidiary that has a Australian financial services license. So, those are some indicators to show that the company itself is reputable, the team itself is um, highly visible. So, those are the two things I would look for. Um, in addition to all this, I think having a very clear and visible product roadmap and vision uh, is very important. And and uh, at Coinstash, I think we're very clear about what we're trying to achieve and the problem we're trying to solve. So that's all outlining our offer document, which will be available um, on virtual tomorrow. You know, Ting, one of the big issues for crypto investors in the past has been how to store their cryptocurrencies. Um, and the, the answer was always that the most safe way and secure way of storing those cryptocurrencies was through some kind of a wallet. Correct. What's your view on that now, um, given what you provide at Coinstash? When it comes to storing cryptocurrencies, I think to me it's a balance between convenience versus safety. So there's no real solution to my knowledge that provides both to the highest degree right now. So what I would say that based on my personal experience, the best way to handle cryptocurrency would be by using a combination of hot wallet and also cold wallet. So what I mean by that is our customers are encouraged to take their cryptocurrency offline into a uh, something like a, a hard wallet, like a Legend, Legend Nano S or like a Trezor wallet, where it's, it's kept completely offline. So no one can touch it but by yourself. However, the, the, the disadvantage of keeping everything offline is if you want to transact on the cryptocurrency, for example, if you want to sell it in a hurry, then you have to find your wallet and then uh, bring the cryptocurrencies back online. So there's a disadvantage when it comes to convenience. So what I what I really think, what I find useful is keeping certain part of the crypto holdings offline, but also keeping certain part of the crypto holdings online, but with a reputable counterparty. So at Coinstash, we actually use, I guess, institutional grade uh, custody solutions, which means that um, our customers' funds are very, secure and safe with us so uh, 
uh, to that degree, we have never had a loss on customers' funds at CoinStash. So that just shows um, that CoinStash has a has a strong track record when it comes to like guess, keeping our customers' funds safe. We've got lots more to talk about, Ting. So what I'm going to do is chat to you again in a few months' time and talk more about bringing an Australian dollar stable coin to CoinStash and how you're moving forward on DeFi. It's been great to have you with us today, though. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Aurel. And thanks to all of our listeners, of course, who've joined us today for this edition of Stock Insiders with me, Aurel Morrison. We'll catch you next time. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, was sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, Australia's leading corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Barclay Pierce Capital provides specialised corporate advisory and equities trading services to privately owned businesses, small to medium-sized public and ASX-listed companies.